Football is back, and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football, and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome to Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Each and every week we bring you the very best blues coverage from The Athletic's stable of Chelsea experts. On today's show, Brighton beaten thanks to a hop, skip and a jump from Jorginho, a rocket from Reese, and a um, heavily deflected effort from Kurt Zuma. The women's team make the Vidi printers spell out their score. The under-23s begin their title defence with a win. And your questions answered, possibly. All that to come on this episode of Straight Outta Cobham. Yes, welcome in, listener. Matt Davis Adams here. Hope you're well. Uh, we're at full strength in terms of our lineup today. That must mean Liam Toomey's on the line. Come in, Liam. Hello. Dominic Fifield also on board. Kate, how you doing? Very well, thank you. And fresh from Brighton is the one and only Simon Johnson. Hello, everybody. No prizes for guessing what's first on our agenda today. Brighton 1, Chelsea 3. So it was an opening night win for Frankie's fellas on Monday as Chelsea began their Premier League season with a 3-1 victory at Brighton. Simon, you were there. Did you have to take your own sandwiches? <laughs> uh, no, I made sure I was um, fully fed uh, before I left. I, I, I made a rather uh, mean bolognese, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I had a tucked into a big plate of pasta and bolognese. So I was well fed for the entire game. I was still digesting for a while. That's and good, good to know. Good <laughs> thing too, because it was, it was a reality check for me. The, 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 the other guys have, have been to a game um, long before now. This was my first game since March. And, um, yeah, what a, what a depressing experience I found it to be. I don't want to start on a sombre note, but without fans, football just doesn't feel the same to me. It was it was very very eerie, walking around the uh, sort of deserted corridors of Brighton Stadium. But more importantly, Chelsea won the game. I don't think Frank Lampard cares uh, too much about how I was feeling at the time. Yeah, on that, I would highly recommend Stuart James' piece over the weekend on The Athletic about the experience of not being able to go to football matches. It's well worth the reading and hits the nail on the head. Um, in terms of the game then, Simon, what, what did you make of Chelsea's performance from from up close and personal? It wasn't amazing, uh, but it didn't surprise me. It felt like um, a bunch of players still getting to get to know each other again after not really having a pre-season um, some of them weren't, weren't were clearly not fully fit, um, but it, I I just think this is the way it's going to be for the first few weeks of the season. Chelsea have to try and amass as many points as possible whilst they get themselves back to back to sort of up to speed. Um, you know there was some good performances out there. Of course, I thought Timo Werner in particular. I mean his pace 
I'm, I'm sure TV cameras picked it up, but but one of the benefits of being at the stadium is you can really see the effect um, a speed of a player can have. And and for example, Jorginho's ball to um, for, for the penalty it led to the penalty. I remember distinctly going, "Oh, he's hit that too far in my head. Like there's no way Werner's going to get that." And and he just sort of put on the afterburners and, and got there before Ryan. So of all the players, Werner stood out for me. Of course, Reese James's shot was was phenomenal. But yeah, there's still a lot of improving to do. But the encouraging thing is, is Chelsea still won the game. Put on the afterburners or the afterburners, said the unfunniest man in the room. Um, Liam, what was your hot take from the game? That it was very very different to so many Chelsea games last season. It was virtually the opposite in that. Chelsea were really poor with the ball. They had less than 50% possession. They created very, very little, and yet they scored three goals. It was it was absolutely bizarre when we saw so many games, particularly at Stamford Bridge last year, where Chelsea absolutely aced the XG battle um, and ended up losing at home to, to teams like West Ham and, and Southampton and so on. Um, but yeah, it, you could see that I think the different Chelsea players were at very different stages physically. Uh, it certainly looked to me like Timo Werner was um, about a month ahead of Kai Havertz in terms of training and, and just general sharpness. And when you put things into that context, I think the only thing that matters is the result. And it's going to be quite a while until we see the new Chelsea at anything like full power and full flow. Um, so in the meantime, they just need to pick up points. And this is, of course, plus two points on the result they got at the Amex last year. Yeah, 1-1 draw on New Year's Day, the first time that Chelsea hadn't beaten Brighton in a league fixture. That was, but they put that right on Monday. Um, Dom, in terms of the team that Frank Lampard picked, were there any major surprises for you in terms of personnel and, and formation? His, his hand was forced a little bit by the amount of absentees, I suppose. Yeah, more than a little bit. I, I You know, I, I, that that is... Nowhere near Chelsea's first choice eleven. Um, I'd warrant I, for the rest of the season will prove that. I mean, the, the talking point largely seems to be where where Ruben Loftus Cheek started the game um, nominally as a as a ten in behind Werner, but he he his performance, his rusty performance, really summed up a lot of Chelsea's play. Um, I, I, I'm completely with Liam on this. You, you just have to cling to the positive. You have to cling to the fact that they, they had enough to get past a very impressive Brighton team, actually. I thought Brighton looked excellent for long periods of the game. But there, there was a bit more about Chelsea in terms of the ruthlessness. Yeah, they got lucky a bit with the deflected third goal and the mistake, you could argue, for the in, in the build-up to the penalty uh, with Alzate's misplaced pass. But... When you throw in a, a worldie from from Reese James as well, that that that's good. If 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 at this stage of of the season, at this stage of their progression, um, they are finding ways to score three goals away from home in the Premier League, then that's pretty positive, I think, to be honest. And we should probably just stick with that and cling to that, and 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 grant them this time to familiarise each other with how they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lots of questions on the new boys. And Nikora, amongst the listeners who've tweeted us in, Simon, a bit of a surprise to see Kai Havertz playing wide rather than centrally. And, and as Liam alluded to, he, he looked a bit rusty. There's clearly more to come from him and, and maybe not in the position we saw him on Monday. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, Lampard inevitably spoke quite positively. 
about his performance, but he, but you could tell he was a bit off the pace. Um, you, you could argue that perhaps um, putting him out on the right sort of exposed that sort of lack of fitness even more. But of course, there was room to be found for, for Ruben Loftus Cheek as the number ten. I think the beauty of Havertz is he can play in a number of roles, and Lampard has talked about that, and, and we've written about that too. So I, I expect Havertz to to. To expect the unexpected, really, of Havertz. I think Lampard can play him anywhere he wants, and that's why the opponents, I think, will be second guessing. But but you could clearly tell, uh, as sort of Liam alluded to, that that he he's not a hundred percent yet. Um, we were given indications um, when we did the read that I think within his own inner circle, there's a kind of a it's going to take a while um, for him to sort of show his best because. The, sort of the, the timing of the deal, the level of expectation, the adapting to a new league. But then in saying that, he has been looking very good in training. Um, I, I just think, look at the positives, the few touches he made. There was a beautiful through ball that he played in the first half to Werner, where it was kind of a, it was a totally different angle to what the uh, Brighton players were expecting. Uh, and it was a real touch of class. There, there were a few other little first-time balls that he played that, you could just sort of see the the potential there, but what was also noticeable was, um, and Lampard talks about it afterwards too, was there was a moment where where he lost a fifty fifty, not not for the first time, mind you, something that he's going to have to get used to. He's going to have to toughen up on that side of things, but he did track back like about eighty yards to win possession back, and that got a huge round of applause from from Lampard and Jody Morris and the rest of the Chelsea dugout, and it, it's that kind of ugly side of the game that. That you know, despite the transfer fee and all the talk about what he can do at the other end of the pitch, he needs to be able to do the the ugly side, and and he's already doing that in his first game, which is um which is great to see. Uh, now then, Liam, you wrote a lovely piece for the Athletic about who should take penalties in Jorginho's absence. Um, <laughs> turns out the answer's Jorginho. Um, it's an amazing technique that he's got, isn't it? And and I saw somebody tweet last night. I think it was Steve Crossman from the BBC, actually. That the, the the most impressive bit is that he's looking the goalkeeper in the eye while he does the jump. The potential for for calamity there is high, but he seems to have absolutely nailed it. Yeah, he's an absolute master. And to be clear, just because I wrote that piece. Um, doesn't mean I'm not full of admiration for the way Jorginho takes penalties. I think he's an absolute <laughs> boss at, at that particular skill. Um, he only missed one, I think, during his time at Napoli. And he's only missed one for Chelsea, of course, in that shootout in the in the League Cup final in Sarri's season. So um, it's a really, really effective method. I think we've seen, you know, Eden Hazard did something similar in that the, the, the players that wait for the goalkeeper to kind of make the decision for them and then roll the ball the other side. When they've really perfected that technique, they can convert at a very high rate. And that is kind of what Kai Havertz does as well. Um, watching his clips for the way he takes penalties at Leverkusen, he he often, he doesn't do the hop, but he, he does wait for the goalkeeper to lean left or right and very, very good at making his decision at the last minute. Um, when he's on the pitch, there's every reason to, to think that Jorginho should be taking penalties because until he misses one, um, it's it's a guaranteed goal in those situations, and 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 that's always of value. But I wrote that piece on the on the proviso that we don't think in Chelsea's strongest eleven, Jorginho is going to be playing all that often. We've seen Kante move to the base of midfield, and I think Lampard still likes that configuration when everyone's fit and available. 
Um, so he will need to turn to alternatives. And the good news is, as my piece detailed, they've got plenty of choice. That's a nice tease for the piece. Um, Carl Anker and, and Tom Warville also wrote about the hop, skip and jump penalty technique for the athletics. So that's worth checking out as well. Uh, in fact, whilst I'm plugging pieces, I should tell you about our latest offer. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of an unprecedented football season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting and storytelling that really sets us at The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod, you can now receive an all-access subscription for just £1 a month. Football's back and you won't want to miss a thing, so go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod and receive an all-access subscription for just £1 a month. Uh, If you do that, you'll be able to read Simon's piece on who Thiago Silva's partner in defence is most likely to be and which, if any, centre-backs might be on their way out to make way for him. Uh, Simon, I thought Andreas Christensen and Kurt Zuma worked quite well as a pair at Brighton. Is there any chance that that Silva might have to wait or or is it going to be him plus one? I think when you sign a player like Thiago Silva, um, you get him in the team as soon as possible. Um, I think that's why he's been brought in. And but you're right, Matt. I I, I thought Zuma and and Christensen had very good games. Um, that yeah, they complemented each other well. Um, and given that Brighton were on top for long periods, um, they didn't get that many shots off on goal on on, on Kepper, which is probably a good thing given the the goal <laughs> that was conceded. Um, but moving on swiftly. Um, yeah, no, I look, those two. I analyse I analyze the futures of of the centre-backs because there there has been this curveball thrown into the situation where Fikayo Tomori was all, all set um, to go on loan. I think he expected the, the loan deal to happen. It's very much like 2019 revisited when he was all set to go on loan to Everton and then David Luiz was, was sold and, of course, Tomori then got brought into the senior squad and, and made a very good impact. Um, now, there is the possibility, and certainly the, there is a sort of thought process that perhaps the same might happen again, um, because this Tomori loan has been kind of held up whilst the club make up their minds. From what I'm hearing, there's, there's kind of a, a split. There's a kind of a shall we, shan't we situation. Um, and one can only sort of think, well, perhaps that means someone's going to go. Um because you can't have five centre backs um, in in the team, and I don't think you can have players sort of twiddling their thumbs either, sort of waiting for the odd minute here and there. So it's not a healthy situation. But speaking to, I spoke to a few people. Now Rudiger and Christensen have got two years left on the deal, which is it was a classic time to sell a player. You don't want a depreciating asset. But from what I gather, like there's been no no new talks, but there's been no sort of inclination or no signs that they're going to be sold on either it's a it's a real sort of mystery of what's going to happen um I still think it might end up with Tamori going on loan but you have to say there's a big question mark over the future of some of the centre-backs Chelsea currently have speaking of going on loan I wonder if that might be the fate for the next person we're going to talk about Straight Out of Cobham is brought to you by Packed Coffee. It's a company that offers coffee without compromise, which means they source only the best beans, they pay their farmers over fair trade rates, and they always get their coffee to your door freshly roasted. No excuses. Pack Coffee allows you to choose exactly how you want your coffee and when it's delivered to you. It's not your typical subscription that comes on the first of every month. You can get coffee whenever you want, and you can pause, cancel, or change your plan anytime online. Pact doesn't sacrifice quality for the sake of profit. 
Their coffee is roasted fresh for your order and ground just moments before it ships. They provide free and fast delivery with no hidden postage charges. And if you order before 1pm Monday to Friday, your order will be with you the very next day. Now, I've been a packed customer for a couple of years now. I always go for the beans that haven't been ground yet because I'm quite a hipster and I like to grind them myself. Drink a bucket full of coffee. That gets me through the first couple of hours looking after a toddler. My wife goes for the decaf option. She's got enough high energy in her life living with me. We really want you to try this delicious coffee, so we'll give you a discount code for you to get your first bag for just £1.95. Go to packedcoffee.com, that's P-A-C-T coffee.com, create your flexible coffee plan and enter the code COBHAM at checkout. Our code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan for new customers only. Plenty of tweets on the same theme. Many thanks to Ben, Sui, Michael, Neil and more for getting in touch to voice their concerns about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Liam, I feel like for a while we've been saying he looks rusty, he needs to get back up to speed. Uh, There there comes a point where you wonder if it's going to happen at all, particularly based on on the performance that he put in on Monday, which, bless him, was was pretty wretched. Yeah, there's no denying that he was really, really bad. Um, He could barely complete a pass there was the one glaring example where he had a a clear opportunity to play Werner through on on goal and not only did he telegraph what he was going to do uh, to Ben White but he also then misplayed the pass basically straight to um, the Brighton defender so yeah it was it, it was a bad game it was certainly not the kind of performance that he needed at a time like this when you know you've got so much competition for places um, and Chelsea have bigger games coming up. Lampard is using these early games and these early training sessions to make the judgments on what his his best team will be and what and what the players he he trusts most will be in the big moments. And so Lampard had really high hopes for Loftus Cheek. I think at the start of this season he said that publicly. He said that this was this was the time really after he'd had a long lead in. He'd used the last few games of last season to to kind of get used to being back on the pitch again after so long out. Um, and so this is the moment for him. You know, we've it feels like we've been saying it for quite a long time for Loftus-Cheek that it's make or break for him at Chelsea. And that whole conversation was postponed, and rightly so, because of the more than a year that he lost to that Achilles injury um, and, and the, the arduous nature of that rehabilitation. But there will come a point where where Chelsea's midfield may move on without him if if he doesn't show any signs of regaining the level that he had before the Europa League. And that would be really sad because I think a lot of this has been down to circumstances outside his control. But, you know, we can only wait and see and, and see if he improves. The, the, the thing about Loftus-Cheek, I mean, a lot was made last night about him missing his big chance, his, his, his opportunity in the absence of Ziyech and the like, and with others obviously not quite up to speed yet. I look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and he he's got a languid style about him, hasn't he? On the pitch, he doesn't he's not he's not all action. He when he gets going, when he builds up a head of steam, he's dynamic and very hard to stop. But I I have a theory. I don't think it's an outlandish one that that he actually needs a run of games to get into the rhythm where he can build up a head of spe- head of steam and, and be that dynamic force that that we saw back in. 2018-19 at Chelsea and if you go back the previous year when he was alone at Palace he played 24 Premier League games at Palace and when I know the season was interrupted midway at midway point but in the two spells where he was consistently in the team 
he was outstanding and he really showcased all his qualities. The following year under Surrey, in the in that Europa League run, particularly after Christmas, he was the best player that Chelsea had, most consistent player that Chelsea had, a driving force. And it was down to rhythm and minutes and, and, and time. His problem is there is more competition than ever suddenly at Chelsea. And I, and I don't know how he's ever going to get consistent football and minutes in this Chelsea team because there's just, just too many world-class talents that have been, either been brought in or nurtured by the club. And, and, and that is the concern for him. The other, the other problem is he's got, he's, he's got a hefty contract. Anyone wanting to take him on loan and having to contribute to a, a, a wage that is around 150 grand a week, I mean, then at this, in this financial climate, they're not going to be that many takers for him. It may be that Chelsea have to supplement that, that wage significantly to, to get him off the, off the books and get him regular game time elsewhere. So it's a, it's a dilemma. It's a proper quandary for them. And I, I, I actually felt sorry for him on Monday night. I just, it was putting too much on him to hit the ground running and, and just do it from the off. And I just, I don't think any of that team were ready. And I think he was least ready of all. Yeah, that contract, by the way, runs until 2024. He's 24 years old now, Ruben. He's only made 16 league starts for Chelsea. Um, we better talk a little bit of transfers. Here's Neil asking, not a question as such, but please tell me the Mendy deal is close. I can't have another game of Kepper in goal. That kind of is a question, Neil. Um, Simon, any any Mendy news that you can furnish us with? Not not so much of an update uh, in terms of, um, I don't think much has changed since um, our colleague Adam Leventhal, who's got a good contact inside Wren, um, posted on Sunday that the deal's almost done, um, that an agreement of initial fee of €20 million Euros plus €5 million add-ons was, was in the was in the pipeline um now Ren of course have got to find a replacement there may be sort of um, chance their arm a little bit because they know Chelsea's uh determination to improve the goalkeeping ranks um but I I still I wouldn't worry too much um I, I was told that other options had been discussed um before a big move you know before talks really um kicked in for Mendy like a week week or so ago. Um but it, it seems like this is this is the one they want. This is the one that's been um heavily recommended by people within the club. I've already written a big read about it, so he better sign because <laughs> I'll be I'll be pretty miffed if all those hours have gone to waste. Let's change um, the name to Aston Villa it should be easy. Yeah. <laughs> um all I can say is look, it should it, it's a bit like the other signings that we've seen, you know, that we, we knew Havertz was going to be get done, but for some reason it dragged on and on. It it does happen, but I, I wouldn't read too much into the the daily sort of swing that seems to be happening where people are saying one thing and the other um, to sort of try and contradict that there's a problem or whatever. Uh, everything I've been told suggests that he will be Chelsea goalkeeper very soon. It's quite interesting to see what the reports in France this morning that... that uh... Ren's opening gambit and the negotiations was we want 40 million euros oh and the, the free loan of Olivier Giroud for a season uh, to help us in the Champions League which I mean again if, if they end up getting in for in a deal that's worth what 28 million euros then they, they, they've done well to compromise at, at that level the big question then is what he adds to Chelsea he is being brought in as competition for Kepa not as a direct replacement necessarily he, the, the theory going round is that 
competition on the training ground will will ensure that Kepa's levels are restored higher. Um, but but I'm not sure that that necessarily covers up technical flaws in in Kepa's game. And 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 we saw that again at Brighton on Monday. I mean, Liam and I did a piece a while back on on the, the fragility of 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 Kepa um, and this propensity he has it's a slight slight technical flaw talking to a, a, a goalkeeping expert of, of how he put his arms or push back before he makes a save and, and actually if you look at the Brighton goal he does it again his, his arms sort of flex backwards and therefore he's sort of playing catch up as the ball comes over and it, and it squirms underneath his right arm as he's diving um, which su- suggests that the technical flaw is still there and, and, and has not been addressed. And I don't know quite how raising competition f- for his place by bringing in a, a player like Mondi, um, who, who may, he, look, he's no O'Black, he's, he's, he's no, he's no Allison, he's no Edison, he's, he's a very good goalkeeper, but he's not at that level. How is that going to raise and, and, and eradicate the, the errors in Kepa's game? I'm, I'm unconvinced, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I'm not sure any of us were buying Frank Lampard post-match saying that he was happy uh, with Kepa. This podcast is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health conversations. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face to face with a stranger in a white coat. So Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier for you to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk slash athletic. That's F-O-R-hims.co.uk slash athletic. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names, up and coming designers and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Uh, so next up for Chelsea is Liverpool on Sunday. Um, Liam, is it maybe a case to be made that this is actually quite a good time to be facing them? They haven't been at their dazzling best really since the restart. Yeah, and particularly defensively, um, Liverpool seem to have really fallen off. And I don't know whether that's complacency or even on a subconscious level, maybe the the level of energy and hunger has dipped slightly, which would be totally understandable after everything they've achieved over the last two seasons. Um, I always find these early season clashes between big teams interesting because 
regardless of whether you've signed a lot of players in the in the summer, no one's really fully formed yet physically, um, tactically. No one's no one's operating at top speed. So I think that does open the door for Chelsea, even as maybe disjointed they are with all the, as they are with all the new faces. Um, to to maybe do something here, but the key I think, as it was at Anfield between these two teams um, towards the end of last season, is whether they can maybe not keep Liverpool out, but um, at least limit their attack and try and limit Mohamed Salah, who looked absolutely rampant against Leeds. Because while Chelsea do have a lot more attacking firepower in their squad this season, I don't think they yet have the collective kind of coherence to um, outgun a team as as confident and as deadly as Liverpool can be. So they they need to try and play a, a quite a balanced a balanced game and be ruthless when they get their chances as they were against Brighton. Simon, in terms of team news, do you, do you think that game might come still a little too soon for, for Thiago Silva? Is maybe a chance as Piliqueta had come back into the starting lineup and and Pulisic back in the squad too? I mean, by the sounds of it, Pulisic is now unlikely. Um, he had a, a minor setback um, a few days before the Brighton game. Um, a little bit of discomfort, and I think there's a there's a real wariness um, to make sure he doesn't suffer a serious setback. Um, of course, he missed quite a lot of last season with various injury problems. The last thing they want is for him to suffer another um, serious amount of time on the sidelines. So um, I wouldn't expect to see Pulisic, unfortunately, because uh, we all remember his uh, cameo off the bench at Anfield um, in July, which was uh, one of the most exciting little displays from, from Chelsea's season. Um as far as the other players are concerned, I mean, Thiago, he had been um, in training for a week by the time the Liverpool game kicks off. It's, uh, I said that, I said before, didn't I, that Lampard will probably want him in the team sooner rather than later. Do you risk him in a game of that magnitude, though, for him to make his debut? It's, it, it's one of the decisions that Lampard will have to make. Um, as Piliqueta it's tough to bring him back after the way Rhys James played. And I know Tariq Lamptey actually, uh, I think, outshone him despite uh, James's uh, amazing goal. Um, but I thought James did well. Um, can he really drop him off that after that performance? I'm not sure. I think Azpilicueta is is definitely going to have to get used to being a bit more rotated than than um, he's accustomed to. Could you not play him at left back? Could do. And the way Marcus Alonso. <laughs> um, was torn apart by Lamptey. Um, it it was not good to see, and of course Liverpool will have a, a luxury of riches on that side. So yeah, that's a very good point that um, he, he could move Aspilicueta to left back because he's certainly done it before. And with with Chilwell not back for at least another week, um, yeah, he, he's and Emerson's definitely out the picture. Then um, then perhaps, yeah, as Piliqueta being moved out of position, but he would certainly do a better job defensively than, than Marcus Alonso would. We'll find out who returns, if anybody, on Sunday, 4.30 UK time. The kickoff for that will reflect on it, of course, in next week's show. Next up for us today, we'll round up what else has been going on in the world of Chelsea Football Club. 
Well, quite the winning weekend across Chelsea. On Sunday, the women's team walloped Bristol City 9-0 at Kings Meadow. Nine different goal scorers. Neve Charles and Penilla Harder registering their first goals for the club. Frank Kirby finding the net for the first time in 16 months and a big boost for the goal difference, which could be crucial come the end of the season. Uh, until Rhys James' goal on Monday, Liam, I think Penilla Harder was, was winning the uh, the race for goal of the weekend as far as Chelsea are concerned. For anybody who hasn't seen it, talk us through it. Yeah, so it, it was a really nice flowing move um, from Chelsea, worked it into a crossing position on the left and, and Harder came in and provided a kind of Carnu-esque finish, backheeling it beyond the keeper into the far corner. And it fits with everything we've seen from her so far since her arrival at Chelsea. She looks incredibly sharp, very silky on the ball um, and very dangerous whenever she gets into the into the penalty area. I'm sure Emma Hayes would have liked a couple of those nine goals to, to come against Manchester United on the opening day. But it was a good sign, at least, that I think Chelsea and their incredibly talented squad, um, particularly in the attacking half of the pitch, are clicking into gear. They they do have two points to make up immediately in the WSL title race, but there is still time to do that. And if they continue to maintain this level, um, they can be confident of, of fighting for the title again right till the end. Yeah, Manchester City failing to beat Brighton worked in Chelsea's favour, definitely. And of course, they boosted their goal difference, although Arsenal got nine goals as well this weekend. Uh, there's an international break next weekend in the women's game. So the next match for them is the rearranged FA Cup quarterfinal. That's away to Everton on Saturday, the 26th of September. Uh, elsewhere, amongst the men's academy sides, Ed Brown's youth team kicked off their under-18 Premier League South campaign with a one-all draw away to Brighton on Saturday. The wonderfully named Jude Soonsup Bell with the Blues goal. And meanwhile, the under-23s began their defence of the PL2 title. They were awarded on points per game with a 1-0 win against West Ham. Sub Dion ranking with the only goal of the game not long after he'd stepped off the bench. Like the women's team, the development squad will play the bulk of their matches at Kings Meadow this season rather than Aldershot, which has been their home in recent years. Right, before we go, let's hear what Athletic subscribers can read from the chaps just now and in the days to come. Liam, what's on your agenda? So by the time people are listening to this, um, my piece, Breaking Down Havertz's debut, kind of first look at Chelsea's marquee signing of, of the transfer window, um, should be up. It's... I think it's maybe a, a bit more of a nuanced analysis than, than than some of some of the takes that immediately followed the game. So be sure to check that out. And I'm also working on a longer read about Kurt Zuma and his journey this week. How about you, Simon? We mentioned the piece on the case for the defence. What else is in the pipeline? Well, uh, I stayed silent on the the Ruben conversation because um, I'm saving my pearls of wisdom if there are any uh for a read so, so i'm yes i'm i'm doing a piece on ruben and as already mentioned uh as long as mendy uh is, is signed um as soon as that that deal is announced then there'll be a big read on him for for the readers to find out sort of what why he he's been targeted what's happening with kepper all of that so hopefully the deal will be done soon, so you can uh, read all about that. Uh, and Dom, you've been writing about somebody who has left Chelsea, albeit temporarily, again, Mishi Batshuayi back at Crystal Palace. Yeah, Mishi signed a new contract at Chelsea last week um, upon his return from 
the, his uh, international duty with the Belgian national team. He scored a couple of goals against Iceland. Signed a one-year contract extension and then immediately joined Palace for another season. Uh, I fully expect him to <laughs> to play 25 games and score 10, 10 goals for Crystal Palace this season. To go back to Chelsea... Uh, and then find himself completely priced off the market again next summer um, and, and unsure where he goes next. Uh, it's a sort of, I don't know, Groundhog Day situation with Mishi. But that said, there is a logic to this move uh, and to Chelsea safeguarding their asset. Um, so it, it, it makes sense in all parts, really, because Batshuayi will be playing ahead of the uh, European Championships next summer and we'll see where we are with him and his future come next July. Good stuff. Do check those out if you're an Athletic subscriber. And if not, don't forget to head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. We'll speak again next week for now, though. From Liam, Dom, Simon, producer Adonis and me, it's bye for now.